Pass me those tissues. Nicholas obliged and watched her blow her nose. That stupid, thoughtless Christopher, Emily had said, letting the dogs loose on the main road, he must have been drunk. Was Christopher drunk? asked Nicholas. No, squabbling with Helen. He has always been cack-handed with dogs, and Helen... Are they still here? I didn't see their car, asked Nicholas. They went back to London last night. Christopher has a lot to do, and Helen was anxious to get back to her job and the children. Ah, Nicholas drew out the word. Ah. Actually, it's been rather marvellous to have the house to myself. Will you turn your back, Nicholas, while I dress? Nicholas turned out to look at Ned's acres, watching a slow flock of sheep drift, nibbling from right to left. Behind him, Rose dressed in faded blue jeans, cotton shirt and striped red and fuchsia sweater. At sixty-seven, she was still nice-looking, with clear eyes and hair that was now completely ash. Her hands betrayed her true age. They will be back at the weekend to take over. So soon, Nicholas span round, shocked. The sooner the better. What is there to keep me here? She spread her hands. I can't wait. She was amused, laughing at Nicholas. He does not realise, she thought, that when the dogs were killed, I was finally alone, far more so than when Ned died. The dogs were the last strand of the persistent thread which has tied me here. What shall you do? Nicholas asked. Then, sensing that she was unlikely to tell him, I brought you some pâté and Beaujolais from the town. Ian Johnson was in the wine shop. He kept saying, poor Rose, poor Rose, what will poor Rose do? Did you say Beaujolais and pâté? Then let us telephone Emily and picnic in the kitchen, if that suits. I haven't time for anything else. I'm going away as soon as I've packed my bag. So soon? Where to? I haven't decided yet. Use the telephone in the hall, Nicholas. I need to concentrate on what to take. Nicholas left the room. Rose sat on in front of her mirror, her hands in her lap, looking deep into the glass at the reflections of the room. She murmured, You. I'll take you. She got up and took from the wall a small picture and put it into an overnight bag. Running down the stairs, she met Nicholas on his way up from the hall. She's coming, said Nicholas. Let me take your bag. Is that all you're taking? It's not much. I shall not be much away. Where? Just somewhere quiet. The telephone has hardly stopped. I need to be alone. I thought just for once the solitude of a good hotel... Where will you scatter Ned's ashes? asked Nicholas spitefully. Rose did not reply. Same old secretive Rose, said Nicholas. It angered him that whereas Rose knew most of what there was to know about his sister Emily and himself, there was precious little either of them knew about Rose that was not public property since her marriage to Ned in 1939. Would it be possible to have a sandwich in my room? Rose asked, handing back the pen she had borrowed to sign the register. Or is it too late? The owner of the hotel flicked a quick glance at the book as he turned it back towards him. Would a smoked salmon sandwich and a glass of wine be all right? She looked exhausted. Half a bottle of muscadet? Lovely. He picked up Rose's bag. I will put you in a room on the ground floor. You look out on the creek and you can step out into the garden. Thank you. I am quite tired. Rose followed the manager along the passage. I shall enjoy the quiet. Would you like to be called in the morning? No, said Rose. No, thank you. I wake. 
The trouble is, she thought, unpacking her few belongings, I don't sleep. She opened the window and looked out onto a lawn sloping down in the dusk to the water. A swan drifted close to the bank. Further out, the cob swam placidly. Across the creek, she could just make out the silhouette of a heron, immobile on a branch overhanging the water. I am travelling alone, thought Rose, and waited for memories of Ned to crowd into her mind. But all she felt was a surge of heretical pleasure at being properly alone for the first time since 1939. Sipping her wine, she looked out at the water, glittering blackly, and savoured her pleasure. Remembering Nicholas and Emily's expressions of pain as she let the telephone ring unanswered all through lunch, she began to laugh. The probability was that all messages would have been more or less identical, safe enough for the pricked ears of Nicholas and Emily. Yet one of the callers...